Radio. What's going on, everyone? We're back with episode 202 of the Dark Windows podcast. I'm Kevin, and... I'm also Kevin. See, we were, we're switching some shit up. Yeah. When I do the episode, Kevin's going to lead us in now, and I'm going to lead him in on his. He's doing... It's like trust fall. He's trusting me to do well, I wouldn't. This. I wouldn't go as far as saying trusting. <laughs> uh, you know, asshole... Giving, giving the opportunity to maybe not fuck it up. <laughs> See... That's the same thing as uh, trusting. I guess. I mean, it is. Come on now. I mean, go I, just go with it. I wouldn't trust you to run the oven, but hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! I whoa. mean, your German heritage kind of, you know, you have a yes. predisposition for yes. oven operation. Okay, let's put it that way. So, what are you trying to say? You come from that. a long line of bakers. Yeah, and <laughs> we can run specialize ovens. in rye of the. Yep. <laughs> we can run the ovens. Yeah, yeah. So why wouldn't and I the summer be... camps. Hey, the best summer camps are Showers and all that. I guess you're just good at, you know, being pieces of shit and stuff. It's all right. No, it's uh, that's what our summer camps offer. Showers, uh, baked goods. Well, before we get canceled... <laughs> We might as well just get started with this episode. Yeah, so what's uh, so what are we talk about for this? Oh, this week's a crime. Yeah, and then next week's a crime too, just yeah. in case you did in case you forgot. Yeah. No, no, I no, I have okay. it, but mine's uh, forewarning everyone, mine's going to be a a crime but not a crime per se that would how do I put this? It's a crime, but t- today's by today's standards it's not a crime. Why wouldn't you just say it's another bank robbery? No. Oh, that, that, that's all you ever do because you're never. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk about a murderer or anything. No, no, no. This is not. This is not even a murderer. It's, it's not even bank robbery. Is this like an abortion doctor or something? You fucking know it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting canceled, uh, <laughs> you're keeping it. <laughs> you get a baby, and you get a baby, unless you live in one of the. Uh, I don't know, like 47 states, it's like, now nah, we're going to just let you do it anyway. So, oh, Sorry. Sorry, you heard all that coughing. Kevin uh, said what Got he him. said, did, and I fucking choked on my goddamn iced tea. So, Son of a bitch. I, uh, so I what's, origi- your, what's your crime? It's A little backstory here. I originally was going to do our first black serial killer. What, you motherfucker, you told me you were. I was, and I didn't have time. With everything going on with baby stuff, I didn't have time to get into him fully. So then I found a guy that I'm like, oh, man, this guy would be awesome to do. But I found him at, like, the last minute. So he's going to be a different episode. Okay. Uh, Want to talk about some crazy-ass jailbreaks. That it, we'll be doing that at some point. Oh. So instead, I found a murder. I would like to add jail. Oh. I think we should add jailbreaks. That's a different category. It is. It's not a crime. Well, you, you have to commit a crime to fucking break out of jail. Yes, but we can cover, like, you say, okay, hey, they're in there for X. Well, and then, you know, this is their jailbreak. Well, with this guy, you have to explain why he's in there. Because he had no reason to do what he did. I think he did it out of boredom. But <laughs> this is actually a, a murder 
that a lot of people for a very long time chalked up to being supernatural. A paranormal murder, if you will. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. had me at paranormal. Okay. Then, so, you, then you really got me with paranormal murder. Right. through the murder part. So. so on the night of October 17th, 1941, 73-year-old Philip Peters was, uh, was home on his own in his West Moncrief Palace house place. I'm sorry, Moncrief, Moncrief Place house in Denver. He's just kind of puttering around the house. Uh, he'd returned from visiting his wife at the hospital, his wife Helen. Um, she was there because she had suffered the most old lady injury of all time. Hip. She fell and broke her hip. Yes, I knew it. Okay. I've heard um, of Moncrief. It's like a neighborhood in Denver. Isn't there something like associ- no, there's something else associated with that? I don't know. Did a, a Broncos player get arrested there for like beating his wife no, or something? No, no, no. Uh, I thought there was it's something. It's Denver. Nothing else ever happens there. I thought, um, okay. There's probably a dispensary there now, I would imagine. Maybe, possibly. Yeah. They they just legalize uh, mushrooms, too, so I'm sure there's somebody tripping their face off hey. over there. You only, uh, you know, <clears throat> you you come, if, if, as Mike Tyson says, you want to come true to the true meaning of God or ch- actually come to the, you know, to see who God is, per se, um, you got to do the, the... The acids. You got to do that I, kind of stuff. I don't trust my brain for hallucinogenics. Mike Tyson didn't either. And then he like, he found shrooms and he's like, it's changed him. It really has. If I was going to do any of them, it would be like mushrooms or ayahuasca. Cause I don't trust acid cause it's man-made, you know? Yeah. But I mean like, he's like done like, Snake venom, toad again sounds really fucking stupid. He like there's a certain toad he's like actually uh, done that, and I guess that like really fucking puts you on like a whole other plane. How many toads do you have to fuck to hallucinate though? Uh, I don't really know. I don't either. I think you suck on them. I mean, I would do DMT, but then I'm gonna have like a a, a hankering for elk meat too. Mm, I don't know. And Maybe. talking about men getting choked out. So anyway, so he his wife fell and broke her yeah. hip. So he had gone to his neighbor's house to collect his dinner because the na- he, he's an older fella. Yeah. And his neighbors are watching out for the him. The neighborly thing. Right. So they're making him dinner. He's either eating it there at the table with them or he's bringing it home and eating it there, depending on, yeah. you know, depending on how he's feeling. What year? This is 19... 1941. 41. Okay. So okay. he's not been drafted for World War II yet, but he's also 73 years old. Listen, he's close. His number's coming up soon. His, his kids are, were old enough to not get drafted, if that well, tells you anything. I'm telling you, his number's coming up. Well, uh, it is, but not for the draft. Um, so, uh, again, he went over and got his dinner. By all accounts, he was just a genuinely good dude. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved him. He's a respected member of the community. Um, him and his wife had started a local musicians club, focusing mostly on like mandolin and guitar and stuff like that, because that's what he played. That's what they did back then. Right. So you'd have everybody get together, and you're playing in the living room, just, you know. Era of big band. Well, not even just th- not even that. It's just you had to have entertainment. and you. you know. But that's what they listened to, though, was, was big band music. But... Um, it's like they, they would get together every few weeks and, you know, all that. He's enjoying his retirement after 40 years uh, working for the Denver and Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande Western Railroad. So he was a railroad man. Hmm. Um, not sure if he was in the office or if he was actually out, you know, pounding steaks or whatever, but he, he worked for the railroad. Um, 
He had no enemies, and so there wasn't even people in town that if you asked him, you know, asked them, like, what do you think of Phil? Like, oh, he's a good guy. Nobody was, you know, uh, nobody was on the fence about him. They liked him. He was a good mm-hmm. guy. So the next day when the neighbors knocked on the door to ask when he wanted dinner and, you know, maybe, hey, what do you want for dinner? What sounds good? He didn't answer the door. They didn't think anything of it because it was still fairly early. It's, you know, early afternoon. He's not the shitter. Maybe. He, <laughs> no, not even that. They were like, oh, he's probably in, he's probably in to see Helen because he had to, he went into the hospital every day to visit. Oh, her yeah. Because he's a good guy. That's what that's what uh, men do. Right. It's what husbands do and shit. Husbands. Um, so they came back later that afternoon with dinner in hand, knock on the door, and they still get no answer. Um because he was, and it was weird. Because he's not the kind of guy that just hear the doorbell or somebody knock on the door and go, eh, "I want to talk to him." He's probably regimented too, you know. By the at this point, you know, he's it's like dinner at a certain time, and but this is also back in the time at the time when you know when somebody knocked on your door or the doorbell rang, you got like, "Oh, who's here? It's company. There's company here." Not like now where we're like, "Who the fuck's this?" We're like peeking through the windows and shit. Checking I bet out, they still checking did on that. our cameras to be like. Mm. I bet they still did that though. They they weren't nearly as like antisocial as we are now. Yeah, but I bet you they still did that. Like, did the whole like look through, you know, right to see know. who it is. But it's not like now where you're like, kind of like fucking like already like pre mean mugging when you open it. You're like, who the fuck's this? Ah, it's the DoorDash guy. You know, it, it was just. Well, you better answer that fucking. Not that we door. have fucking DoorDash like available here, really, but kind of we do. I'll just go get it myself, thanks. Some fucking weirdo picking through my french fries and digging his, in his nose and touching my food bag. Get the fuck out of here. Exactly. I don't trust strangers as it is. I don't want them around my food in no. their fucking car. No. I'd beaten off of my napkins. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so they ended up contacting the police to try to do a welfare check because... You know, it was not normal, and he's yeah. an older guy, so like maybe he fell. We don't know. Um, the police arrived, and they found all the doors and windows locked. They knocked on the door, and they got no answer. So they told the neighbors, you know, you guys head home. I We know that you're kind of keeping an eye on him. We'll keep you, you know, abreast, abreast of, the of the situation. Yeah. So they get home. They go home, and um, the police break in. You know, they... Jimmy the door or whatever the fuck they did. Kick that some bitch uh, open. So they wanted to make sure everything was okay. Yeah. The door swings open and things are decidedly not okay. Rank as fuck? Uh, no, no, not even so much the smell, but the police find Phil Peters savagely beaten to death in his own kitchen, his walking stick broken in half on the floor, his revolver on the floor with a pool of blood creeping towards it, and a cast iron stove shaker not far from him. <clears throat> so I... I see the look in your face because I'm like, what the fuck's a stove shaker, right? So it's a curved cast iron bar with a handle on one end that was meant to pick up the grates on a cast iron stove, like the covers. Yeah. So you could pick that, you could pick them up and move them and clean them out and stuff like that. Yeah. They're heavy. Like, they, it's cast iron. It's beefy. It's, it, you know, it's uh, depending on the one that I looked at, for example, was uh, if you straighten it out, probably 14 inches long. Yeah. Somebody beat the fuck out of him with it. Yeah. And he tried to shoot him or something, maybe. Well, I'm guessing. So the police search the house top to bottom. Find 
no sign of anyone having been there. There's nothing missing. He still has cash in his wallet. He's There's cash in a, a little fucking jar on the counter. Jewelry is still there. Nothing's missing. And all the doors were locked from the inside. So this is where it gets a little odd. You know, um, they, they start doing their investigation and they obviously find that he has no enemies and there wouldn't have been anybody that needed revenge against him. Um, this wasn't a family member that want that was after you know, money or anything because all of his kids were grown adults and they had moved away. Um, so they obviously found out that his, his kids were no, nowhere around because they had to figure out how to contact them to yeah, let them know yeah. what had happened. Um, and then obviously they had to send someone to St. Anthony's hospital where Helen was and she was crushed. Uh, they'd been together for decades. They'd been there through for each other through thick and thin. Mm. Uh, they raised a family in that house. And just like that, Phil is gone. Survived the depression and fucking you get. Yeah, this, this guy killed. was probably judging by his age. He might have been a little too old for World War One. 73 and 1941. Well, that was like he would have been in his 50s during World War One. Well, no. It's, it's uh, it's for forty years. Forty years ago puts it at at. Uh, what are you talking about? Forty years ago. Yeah, because it's nineteen eighteen, dude. Yeah, that's when it ended. Yeah, that was twenty years. Yeah, so before that, I'm calling you know forty years. You know, before okay, so twenty three years. Well, so well, he's we, it would have been twenty one years because we got involved in seventeen. Yeah. Okay. So like forty years previous. So Fifty two. Was forty years previous because it's nineteen fifty nineteen forty one. Yep. Yeah, you go forty years previous is nineteen oh one. Add you know, add sixteen years to that. Or you could have just knocked twenty years off and then he's fifty two. Something like that. <laughs> I mean, 52, so, so, his, so he's probably still his, too old. His kids could have potentially been old enough to his, fight in World his War. His kids would have been, but um, yeah, for sure I mean, his kids definitely because yeah. I mean they would have probably been in there. You know, well, maybe I don't know. I don't Depending, know. it would have been their you know twenties, thirties, you know. Um, I would say probably not. Potentially, we don't we don't know. There's no record of it. Um, so ha- shortly thereafter, Helen was released, um, and she wanted to go home to her home. Of course. So she's still recovering from her hip surgery, and she actually hired a maid mm-hmm. to kind of help her take care of everything. Um, the maid only lasted about two weeks before she went, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm leaving. And then she had a friend move in with her. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, the maid would tell the friend, I, the reason I left so quickly is because I think the house is haunted. Okay. So her friend moves in and she starts noticing things going on as well. And I mean, I'm sure things weren't easy for Helen because she would have to travel into the kitchen where her husband was brutally murdered on yeah, the floor. Of course. Um, and so she's expected to live a normal life here and <clears throat> not not working out well. <clears throat> so at this point in time, after the friend moves in is when they both start noticing things moving. Uh, they would find things in places where they hadn't been left. Um, a lot of things in the kitchen were, were just kind of moved 
just slightly like out of whack where they shouldn't have been. Um, it was mostly the kitchen and the hallways where they were noticing things being moved. Uh, mm. Vases turned the wrong way. Tables like pushed just a little ways out of the in different directions and stuff like that. Um, and then they started hearing the footsteps coming from the top floor and the attic. And they would alternate from quiet to loud, depending on the night. The speed would vary. It was almost, it would go from like somebody trying to like, sounded like somebody walking quietly to somebody just walking through the house to running at points. So it's a little weird, you know? And it never happened during the day. It was always after dark that they were noticing these. So after weeks of this activity, her friend finally has enough and says, listen, Helen, I can't, I'm not staying in a haunted house. I'm, I'm leaving. And I think you should too. So she ended up moving in. Helen ended up moving in with one of her sons in Grand Junction. The house stood vacant and the rumors of it, of it being haunted started floating around, uh, around the neighborhood. Kind of became a destination for local kids to, you know, they go visit and you do your, you know, the whole, I bet you won't go in there fucking teenager games and shit like that. Yeah. And uh, they would sneak in at night and wait around for the ghosts to make noise and move things around. And when they did, they would boogie on out of there. And I'm sure, you know, you get back out with your friends. You're like, ah, no, no. so this is what happened. And everybody's joking and having fun shit like that. Um, some people even reported seeing a ghostly figure standing in one of the upstairs windows. Um, and they would see him and it would just stand there and just kind of look. And then it would move to a different window. So it's kind of weird. So it was after a group of people reported seeing a pale, ghostly man standing up in the upstairs window that the police would return to the house. Um, and I think right here is going to be the best place to take a break for the story. Because we do have some bonus content at the end of the episode for everybody. Um, the story itself, unfortunately, is a little short. But I think if we take a break here, we'll come back hmm. and finish it off. So in July of 1942... After a month or so of staking out the house and expecting to see someone come or go, Detectives Roy Bloxham, that's a fucking name, B-L-O-X-O-M, uh, Bloxham, I'm going to go with, and Bill Jackson, that's easy to remember. That is the whitest fake alias name you can come up with. Yeah. You know, Bill Jackson. Like, if you're a white dude and you need an alias, it's pretty fucking easy. Of course. You just, like, pick the whitest names you can find and throw them together. Yeah. Uh, Anderson is always a good last name if you're looking for a fake one and you're a white dude. So, hmm. throwing out some advice, you know. Okay. Um, so, they would see the Phantom step into the window into, step into the window one night. As soon as he stepped into the window, they jump out of the car and they rush right to the house. As they're getting closer, they look up and he's not there anymore. So they're like, fuck, did we really just see a ghost? So they, they go in and they start searching the house. There's nobody there. And just as they decide to call it off, they heard movement upstairs. They move quietly and quickly, being practitioners of the old adage, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah. So you just quiet up the stairs. And uh, they make their way into the uh, one of the back bedrooms where the noise is coming from. Okay. They enter and very, very quietly open the closet door just in time to see a pair of gaunt white legs trying to disappear into the ceiling. 
Okay. Okay. I, 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 I was, I was suspecting. One of them just balls of steel. Like I ain't letting no fucking ghost get away with this shit. Dives into the closet and wraps his his arms around the ankles and drags this man out of the attic. They cuffed this scrawny monster and hauled him outside to the uh, the ambulance service to check him over. One of them said, quote, this has to be the worst case of malnutrition I have ever seen. So it's not a ghost. It wasn't a paranormal murder in the first place, but everybody thought it was for almost a year. Yeah. Okay. Um, before they were allowed to take him to the Denver Police Department to question him, he had to be taken to the hospital because when the paramedics are looking at him, they see this man that's just under six feet tall and uh, they weighed him on site. He weighed 75 pounds. And I'm pretty sure I landed on a watch list, a watch list for having to Google this. Roughly 27 pounds of that was human skeleton because that's what a stripped human skeleton weighs 27 pounds. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, he, he weighs about 50. He's got about 52 pounds of skin and not much else on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so after, shortly after he was checked into the hospital, they found out he had pneumonia and he almost fucking died. So they got him back up to back up to somewhat health and turned him over to the police. And, and they uh, killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as the ambulance is screaming away, the detectives went back into the house and they start checking things over again. So first thing they obviously want to do is they want to check out this attic, right? Uh-huh. So they got into the ceiling, into the, the crawl space. I mean, kind of got into it. Being two grown-ass men that had eaten recently, they couldn't really squeeze through the uh, the 15-inch by 27-inch opening. Um, <laughs> and when they, got, when they stuck their heads up there, they measured the opening uh, into, like, the attic at 27 inches high and 57 inches wide. Hmm. So he was basically laying in a coffin yeah. in the attic. Uh, as soon as they stuck their heads up in there, the smell hit him. And that smell was cans on top of jars, on top of pans, on top of buckets of human shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so when he was released back to police uh, custody, uh, he told them that his name was Theodore Conies and that he didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill nobody. I was just being a fucking creep and living in a tiny, you know, in an opening where somebody forgot to put insulation in their attic, sure. essentially. So they, they, they brought him a hot meal, which is probably the first one he's had, uh, as we're going to find out, in a considerable amount of time. Um, and as soon as he got done eating, he broke down and told him everything. <laughs> he's like, oh, now that we got that out of the way, uh, you want to hear the story? Yeah. So Theodore Edward Conies was born in Illinois in 1883, and he had a pretty, pretty rough upbringing. Not an abusive parents, but he just he had a shitty childhood uh, because he was pretty sickly, and that led him to not being able to go outside and play with the other kids. Mm -hmm. um, so not being able to go outside, he looked for other hobbies like reading and playing music. And being a weird, lanky kid like that anyway, and also being a dork, he got harassed relentlessly by everybody else. Yeah. Um, so at one point in time, he was so sick that his mother brought him to, the, to a doctor and uh, they told him at the age of 17, he probably wouldn't make it past 18. 
So wanting him to spend the final year of his life in Colorado, for who the fuck knows why, weed wasn't legal yet. Why'd you go to Colorado at that point? You're not well, Doc because... Holiday. You're not going to die of fucking tuberculosis. No, but that's that's kind of where they sent him because it was, you know, a higher altitude, you know, possible. Yeah, whatever. Um, so when they got there, he joined a community group of musicians playing the mandolin. Uh, and he was soon a regular at the Peters home, having dinner with them pretty frequently and just hanging out and playing music. So they, he, they took him in almost like a nephew. Yeah. You know, so it's like, he's here all the time. He's a good kid. Uh, so as he got older, he took a few odd jobs here and there, but couldn't really keep one pinned down. And uh, from 1917 until 1941, he just kind of floated around the country doing God only knows what until he landed back in Denver. And his first thought when he got off the train that he had hopped on and not paid for was to go to the family that had been kind to him when everyone else hadn't been. He remembered where the Peters house was and hoped that they still lived there. He ended up arriving at the house at a time when Phil was out. The door was unlocked, and he'd been welcomed there before when he was a kid, so he's just like, I'll just go in and wait. So he sneaks in and makes a beeline for the icebox, because they didn't have refrigerators back then that no. had icebox. Yep. Even though I wrote it as refrigerator, because that's our terminology for it, you know. Uh, so he, he grabbed as much food as he could, and he just, like, stuffed it into his pockets, into his, you know, like, folded his shirt up and just filled his his fucking shirt and clothes with food. Um, and then he snuck up to the second floor to eat and he's just kind of poking around looking and he notices this cozy little spot in the attic and he figured, oh, you know, you know what, whatever, I'll just kind of hang out till winter's over, you know, who cares? It's, it's October now and five months I'll be out of here. They won't even know. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he had this to say for himself. I'd sneak down every night to get bits of food from the icebox, and they wouldn't even know I was there. He was in this house while Helen was there before she got hurt. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Conies would tell the detectives that uh, he'd wait until he heard Peter snoring below him because he was in the next room over. So the master bedroom was here, and the... Attic access was the next room over. Yeah. But he could hear him because he was kind of over both rooms where he would, you know, yeah. sleep in his little fucking Crypt Keeper spot. So it worked well enough until the night of October 17th. Uh, Peters woke up in the middle of the night hearing a noise. And as he was walking through the house, he had an old revolver hanging on a thing on the wall. Because apparently that's what you did back then. You just hung your fucking your handgun on a, on a nail or some shit like that. You know, I guess. Um, yeah. So he's got his walking stick because he can't go anywhere without that. He's got his slippers on, and he grabs his revolver. And uh, he notices the noise is coming from the kitchen, so we're going to go check it out, right? Quote, Peters didn't recognize me. I guess I changed a lot in 30 years. Uh, Phil didn't want to shoot him. He told him so. He's like, listen, I don't know who you are. I just don't want you in my house. You know, they kind of had a little conversation, and Phil was like, just take all the food you want and go. That's all I'm asking. Then Coney's is like, hey, you got a couple bucks I could borrow. And at this point in time, Phil's like, okay, you got to get the fuck out of here. I'm calling the police. Yeah. I was fine with giving you food. I don't have any money to give you. Mm -hmm. So not knowing what to do at this point in time, 
Coney's shoves him and at the same time grabs the revolver out of his hand and just starts fucking slapping him in the head with it. Oh. He's he's buffaloing an old man with his own revolver. Yeah. Um, he hit him a couple of times and then it slipped out of his hand and landed on the ground. And at that point in time, he grabbed the stove shaker. Quote, I just kept hitting him until he didn't move anymore, he told the detectives. Then I took all the food I could carry and retreated to the attic. So during the winter, while he's barricaded himself in this attic, obviously there's no food in the house because when, you know, they'd come in to clean up, they emptied yeah. their, the icebox so that it didn't rot and smell. Yeah. Um, so during the winter, he'd go out through a, a top floor window on the back side of the house and just scoop ice and snow off of the roof into a bucket so he had water. Um, and after he'd emptied the refrigerator, he lived on cornmeal, preserves, and canned food that he found stored in the basement. He did all of this stuff while almost freezing to death every night. <laughs> he survived in that house, living on the food that he found and shitting in the attic for almost 10 goddamn months. Wow. Yeah. Um, the the attic space, the detectives compared it to roughly the size of three Stanley steamers, like the like the crates. Yeah. Like they were about it was about that big. <laughs> so he was sleeping in like in the size of three steamer crates. Wow. Which is fucking tiny. Um, and he described his time there as quote a hellish terrible nightmare. Oh. Just imagine the old woman whose husband you murdered in this house. Yeah. And then she went back there thinking that her husband was killed by a fucking ghost. Yeah. And you're still stealing her food because you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for his crime, Theodore, as I've decided to refer to him here, Teddy Eddie Coney's, received a life sentence. <laughs> the newspapers had a fucking field day with this case. Um, there was pictures taken from uh, that the, de- you know, the, the <laughs> that the detectives had given them um, of the the crawl space and it was tiny and full of spiders and bugs and shit. Um, so they hung the nickname Denver's Spider-Man on him. 20 years before Stan Lane stole the name for his web slinging superhero in New York. So this guy is the OG Spider-Man. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Um, so in prison, he was a model prisoner, not making any trouble for anybody because he was getting his three meals a day, not having to fucking drift. Three hots uh, and a cot. Yeah. I hope he got a cock once in a while, too. Um, one of the guards referred to him as, quote, forgettable amongst the rest of the inmates. Uh, he died at the age of 85 in 1967, which means he got to live longer than the poor old man who just wanted to live his life and go see his wife in the hospital. Yeah. Fuck this guy. I'm but, glad he's dead. Yeah. But uh, I, I found this case and I was like, that's interesting. Hmm. Like, it's only a singular murder, but yeah. was it a ghost or was it a fucking creep? It's true. It was a creep. It was definitely a creep. Uh, kind of, I, I kind of uh, was like, huh. This is, I, I kind of thought this was, like, something like that, because you, you know how what you were saying. But it kind of reminds me of uh, what the, the theory is about uh, Valeska. Is oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that they think that it was somebody, like a drifter, that came off of the, the railroad and got into the house, then hid in the attic. They think the same thing with uh, the Hinterkaifeck murders in Germany. Because after the family was dead, there was still smoke coming out of the chimney and shit. Yeah. So somebody was still living there. 
then when they got there, there was nobody there. Yeah. So, um, this, this is more common than people realize. Having people break into your house and hide in your attic and steal your food and shit is way more common than people realize. It happens a lot in Asia. Um, there's been a ton of cases of it happening in like Japan and Taiwan where they're with more modern technology. You know, people are thinking like, why the hell is everything moved in my apartment? And they put up cameras mm-hmm. and you leave for work and all of a sudden there's some fucking, uh, I don't know, jackass ghost from the ring creeping around in your goddamn house eating all your pocky or whatever the fuck they eat. I don't know. Something. Uh, you know, fucking spinach flavored Kit Kats and shit that they have in Japan. Ew. Um, but it's it's way more common than people realize. Mm. So hmm. check your attics. Definitely. Check your basements. Yes. For sure. Check under your beds. Because <laughs> you never fucking know. Check all the above. I got done writing this and I was like, it was like 1.30 this morning when I was, I finally finished. I was like... I gotta go check everything. So I went and I like I checked behind my furnace. I checked under my uh, <laughs> under my water uh, under my uh, my my fuel tank behind my water heater and shit. I'm like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Stuck my head up in the attic in the in the baby's room. I'm like, all right, we're good, we're good. I'm nailing this motherfucker shut though. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was uh, huh. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah. So definitely. So we mentioned some bonus content. Yeah. What you got, fella? So uh, we had couple more people write into us and we said that we motherfucker were... more people writing stories to us I know. how I dare know. you i know and we said that you know we'd we'd read them if you know under protest of course uh, of course uh so the first one was from uh thomas scott um he says sorry for the long delay kevin i'm actually in the process of getting out of the army so i was doing a bunch of clearing uh paperwork and such but my story is sort of a short one, but I still don't have a, a clue to what happened. Back in 2019, sometime being in my unit, uh, 307th uh, ESB station in Hawaii, I believe I was either uh, a PV2. Thank you for your service, keeping those Hawaiians in check, by yes. the way. Or a PFC, a poor fucking civilian, as my grandfather used to say. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what my grandfather used to say, because he, he was a PFC. Uh, no, he was outranked by civilians. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, at, uh, at the time, but my team was uh, tasked out to clear the old abandoned barracks in my battalion oh, building. No, no. Uh, as we basically used them for storage. My buddy Rod and I were, uh, were check, checked this one room and came back to meet uh, Weiss and Aguilar in the main hallway. For some reason, I turned around and asked if we checked this room yet that I believe was diagonal to where we were standing. But the door of the room was suddenly closed by itself. <laughs> and the only way to open these doors is by key card. Yeah, you don't go in there then. Yeah. It's clearly empty. Um, we all oops. Uh, we all just looked at each other and Rod just goes, "Oh, by the way, Scott, our battalion building is haunted." <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we all always get people talking when they uh the pull they pull staff duty for those not in the army or military basically it's Pulled by a two-man guard, 24-hour shift, at the building, 
uh, for your unit. So is that like in Full Metal Jacket where you got like the silver helmet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same with Q, uh, CQ for the barracks. So that's basically you know, CQ is Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Um, Except hopefully with different results. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the main desk of the building, which was also below the floor of the these barracks rooms. Uh, now, sometimes during the night, if uh, you have the stairwell door open, which is behind the desk, but a ways, uh, and, um, which is behind the desk. But anyways, you can hear footsteps uh, of both walking and running noises of doors or cabinets or whatever opening and closing and even children laughing which I personally never experienced but uh, while on, on staff duty uh, uh, which I never personally experienced while on staff duty uh, so once again sorry for the delay but this is my story and I know it isn't spectacular or fantastical by any stretch of the imagination but I still can can't explain some of these things people and myself uh, included experience. Fun fact for both of you, Kevin's Schofield Barracks, home of the 25th Infantry Division, which is down the road from us, is the uh, unit Ice T. Ice T was stationed before he got out uh, to pursue music. I, really. Yeah. I never knew he was in the military. And me either. No I shit. Know, I didn't know that. Huh. Anyways, thank you for reading the, my story. And once again, I apologize for the delay. That's no awesome. No problem, man. That's awesome, man. Cool. Uh, so the next one, the last one, is uh, another one from uh, Joanna Smith. Who uh, wrote in with that weird-ass, like, yeah. not deer, potentially skinwalker story that yes. kind of fucked with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she says, uh, just uh, got done listening to your listener stories. I noticed you saved the best for last, <laughs> and I'm honored. Nice. <laughs> uh, sorry I didn't get around to setting more of, of that uh, for that episode, but here I am now. I have plenty of odd, creepy, fucked up story. You guys, your guys' reaction to Ouija board, the Ouija board story Fucking towards the boards. beginning gave me a starting place. Here, here's our story. So my best friend from high school and I were uh, always interested in weird stuff. She had a Ouija board and brought uh, it over one weekend. So of course we started off messing around and spelling funny shit out. Don't do that. Yes. Uh, we were like 16 and having fun, having a fun time. After like 20 minutes of jokes, we calmed, uh, calmed way down and we're getting serious. My younger sister was 14. Her and her friend decided to get in on it. So when the four of us were finally calm, using it how we were supposed to, shit got real. Uh, yep. We each only had one finger on the piece that moves. It started to feel warm. My hand felt tingly, and it moved and stopped very quickly. Too fast for any of us to accurately control it, us uh, to get spelling out of it, and shit was what it was saying. We finally asked the thing we were talking to, has anyone died here? It quickly spelled my sister's name. So then I asked 
it to spell it again and it spelled my sister's name. So we closed that communication down, sat there stunned, and my sister started crying and ran out of the window. Out, not the window, oh. out of the room. I was going to say, holy shit, dude, that's... <laughs> yeah. So fucking, fucking dove through the window like an old western. <laughs> Looney Tunes shit. <laughs> uh, after a minute of not understanding what the fuck just happened, it hit me. We had grown up like six houses down. My parents sold the house we grew up in. Uh, their house hunt for another place got put on hold because the Air Force base my dad worked at was on a list to close. So they decided to rent from our good friends until everything settled down. The house they rented uh, close friends owned and used to have fun together there. Twelve, uh, so 12 years earlier, I was four and little sister was two. We were there at a barbecue. We were with the older kids, including our two older siblings. They were keeping an eye on us. All the grown-ups were in the front room and the family room. Kids playing in the bedroom. Somehow, my younger sister walked off from us kids and went past the adults onto the back patio, then up on the deck and fell into the spa and drowned. Jesus Christ. My older sister uh, quickly saw... She had wandered off, ran to my parents. Everyone was looking in the house for her. My older sister, poor thing, was only eight. She and the girl that lived there thought maybe she's playing with the toys out back. They go out, uh, get on the deck to look out there, and my older sis starts screaming. Luckily, a nurse lived next door, and even though CPR was was uh, not well known at the time. She knew it. Revived my baby sister, kept her breathing until the ambulance got there. That did not stop me from playing the Ouija board. It should have. For a few years. That's my fucked, sis. man. That's scary. Uh, we were dumb then. Now we'll burn or bury one. But we were dumbasses to continue that shit. I have a few other Ouija stories I'll have to send, uh, send soon. Creepy, creepy shit. Yeah, yeah, fucking... I don't like Ouija boards as it no. is, dude. They freak me out. Um, yeah. We mentioned more than once when we went to Salem, there's a... I believe it was the Harry Potter shop. They have a fucking Harry Potter wand store down there on one of the streets. Yeah. And in the back of that was a Ouija board museum. It's free to go in. And we are like, nah, No, 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 no. The Ouija board museum was separate. Was it? I thought it was yeah. in the same building. No. Okay, I don't remember. Um, yeah, no, no, never doing that. Fuck that noise. Um, no, that was in, no, I'm sorry. That was in the, uh, witches, um, shop that we went into. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, the, there was like, you could do reading, uh, tarot reading. One of the many places I dragged you guys where you didn't want to go. Cause I like doing kitschy tourist shit. That was just, that was just <laughs> weird. Yeah. I felt like I should have been like a, a wizard or witch or some shit like that. Like Harry, I don't know. Are you? No. Um, <laughs> not me. Not no. you. Not Rob. <laughs> I definitely want to go back to Count Orlocks again, though. The yeah, that was the, cool. Uh, the, the wax museum place. That, that was, was fucking cool. excellent. Um, yeah. I, I follow them on Instagram and stuff. I think they added more stuff to it. Nice. So I'm like, I really want to go back and check it out. But um, yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So um, well, before we get going too far, um, quick plug. 
head on over to patreon.com forward slash dark windows podcast. Um, you get a bonus episode once a week and there's some changes coming in the future. Um, but it's five bucks a month and you get, you know, four to five extra episodes, depending on how many weeks are in the month. Um, so you get all the new shit that's coming out and our, geez, we've got to be up to almost 30 by now in the back catalog. Um, just wanted to do a say a quick thank you to the, the following people that have joined up. Uh, Melissa Grubb. Uh, she's my cousin. She's fantastic. She's been here since day one. Yeah. She, <laughs> legitimately. Like, yeah. Um, our buddy, Evan Gall, who helped us out with uh, Battle of Mogadishu stuff. Thank you, Evan. David Menges. I think I said your name right. If not, correct me. Uh, Yell at him on Facebook. Yeah. If you if you find him on Facebook, his profile picture is him standing next to the Green Goblin truck from uh, Maximum Overdrive, and it's fucking cool. Yeah, like makes me jealous. I'm like, God damn, that thing's awesome. Uh, our buddy Ben Semple, who uh, today is the well, as of recording, um, was the day of his uh, wife's services, um, funeral services, and stuff like that. So um, show him some love. He he's he needs it. He's got you know. You know, Ben. Got a lot going on. We're thinking of you, Ben. Yeah. We always are. You know that. Yeah. Especially when, we, uh, when we're talking shit about the English. You know that <laughs> for a fact. A.A. Uh, a. Ron Bates, whoever that is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I crept. I, I was a creep. I had, to, I had to deliver his stickers because I refused to drive to the post office, which is like two minutes from my house. Yeah. To ship them to the next town over. Fuck that. So I was like, I'll just drop them off at his house. I'm like, I know what street he lives on. I think this is his house, and I just fucking sat there in my truck for like five minutes waiting for him to respond. I was like, yeah, yeah, your neighbors think I'm a fucking weirdo, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but that's okay. Um, Damon Maraschino out in California. Actually, he's one of the guys that bought one of our, our fucking excellent t-shirts, too. Yeah. So, thanks. Uh, we sent you out some more stickers. Fucking deal with it. Yeah. Um, and Joanna, who we just read one of her stories, um, also out in California. Uh Sorry that we shit on California so much. She's in no, Hillb- she's no. in Hillbilly, California. But I, I'm not. I'm still not sorry. Sorry, like, not sorry. You guys are awesome. Your state fucking sucks. <laughs> I know you guys are both like up in the northern part of California, but still, we can annex them. the The lower like third of that state gives everybody else a, a bad name. It's like New York, true. Where you know, like if you go like north of Albany, it's regular people, and then from there down, it just fucking sucks. Yeah, if you could like draw a line. You know, yeah. like, New York should be two separate states, and California should probably be three. True. So after the uh, after the next civil war, we'll just start redrawing lines. I love it. You know, Massachusetts. Well, you're on fucking watch. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to take a vote. Of remember, the- remember what what it looked like back like before the, the the Revolutionary War, where Massachusetts owned like Vermont and Maine and New Hampshire. It's going to look a whole bunch like that again, except Massachusetts won't exist this time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nothing against you guys. It's just some of you drive like assholes. You know, it is against you guys. I'll say it. So we're gonna, um, you know, we're we've t- we're gonna take a vote amongst the rest of New England. And, well, first off, A. Connecticut's gone. Connecticut's gone. (laughs) Rhode Island never existed in the first place. They just get merged in. Yeah. So, really, what's on the chopping block? I mean, Connecticut, if you want to impress us, you know, Massachusetts. Good luck, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do some impressing, you know. I think we're the only part of the country that can talk shit on everybody else in our area and be like, 
Yeah, no, fuck them. Because people do the same thing about Vermonters. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, oh, fuck those guys. They drive. Who do? Who's doing fucking 55 on the highway? Uh, people with green plates. That's who. Exactly. Want to know why? Because it's fucking snowing here in. I don't know. It's gonna snow here like next week. So we are. We just we just pre-planned to not drive fast. Exactly. You know. You know. New Hampshire's like, you want to fucking smash your head open on the highway on a motorcycle? Do it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Seatbelts are for pussies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Maine is just fucking Maine. It's it's its own weird thing. But they're I like, love, I like, love it. Half of a state's like, or more than half is like, there's snow on the ground. Okay. All right. You can't get anywhere. We got snowmobiles. There's three types of people in Maine. They are all rednecks. You have ocean rednecks, forest rednecks, and mountain rednecks. I'm going to disagree on the the ocean rednecks. No, I don't, I don't think half of them are uh, redneckish. Oh, uh, they're all rednecks, dude. They eat fucking water bugs constantly. I don't care. That's redneck behavior. No. Go down south. Go to fucking Louisiana. They do the same shit. They're water rednecks. Yeah. But do, 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 those are technically swamp rednecks. Yeah. Whatever. They're swamp rednecks. Right. So let's, let's get it straight. But still, it's the same thing. Just okay. a different accent. All right. And they put rice in their food instead. Ah. True. God, I want fucking gumbo. Well, anyway, so uh, with the rest of there, then uh, go and check our social medias. You know, you know that's yep. that time. You know what they are: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, Patreon. I'm gonna bench it again because yeah. fuck it. Uh, and we our email account is darkwindowspod at gmail dot com. If you want to email us, uh, and let's see. Oh yeah, also go over to this lovely little place called Studio. Go check them out. You can find your next pair of earbuds or Bluetooth speaker or uh, headphones and put it in your basket. When you're done, put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, as we're sitting here, uh, another one of our listeners that sent us in a story, John Gerlock, just messaged me this thing. Uh, weird primate caught on, uh, captured on game cam, Minnesota Bigfoot. Uh, but underneath it, he says, someone lost a monkey in Pennsylvania or something. <laughs> so we're going to watch this video quick, and I will actually probably post this up on the Facebook page. Oh, it's a 10-minute video. Okay. Well, let's see what we got. Let's uh, skip to the meat and taters of this bad boy. Meat and taters. There's some deer. Oh, it's Pennsylvania. No shit, there's deer. Fucking coyote. You know the only state, the one of the few states that does uh, uh, black powder? When I mean black powder, I mean... Uh, muzzle loader no like i mean black powder like musket huh oh shit that's a coyote yeah which by the way our state is trying to ban coyote hunting well they're stupid because a bunch of fucking people moved up here from other states and they're like they're so pretty why would you shoot them because they're fucking monsters and it's gonna take one of you guys losing a child to them before you go oh maybe we should shoot these guys again um or you lose your fucking going to your cats or a dog or something um, I'm a firm believer in shooting coyotes on sight because they are just trash. Uh, let's see what this... What the fuck is... Okay. What do you make of that? Let's pause it so you can see. Not sure if that's a monkey or if that's a deer in a monkey costume or something. It's it's weird looking. Is it possibly a bear? I don't know. Maybe it's three possums in a bear suit. Cause you don't, no, I'm just wondering if it's a bear. But the thing is, you don't get any video of it moving. It's just stills. Which is weird because all the other game cam footage shit was video. So why don't we get to see that thing moving? You know what I mean? It looks like a bear. Might be a bear. And it like, looks like a bear. Like that one that, that they caught on... Uh, Just a, like, a, like a funky image of a, you know... Yeah. 
Like it actually has somehow has like a, a brownish nose or whitish. Yeah, nose. I'll, I'll throw it up on the Facebook group. And yeah. We can you know have people debate there. It's kind of like that one that they got over in Fairhaven that fucking Finding Bigfoot came up over here for. Like, oh, look at this thing. I'm like, that's a person in a costume. Like, the like the weird giant missing patches and shit. I'm like, that's a dude in a costume. Why are you guys up here? Well, that wasn't in Fairhaven. The, the Castleton or wherever. No, I was in Wallingford. Whatever. It, it, was, it was a person in a costume. That was not real. I don't think. I think it was. I don't know. Only reason why I, know, I think it's real, Kevin, is just because um, of... Um, it's actually more like Shrewsbury area, but, oh, uh, well, not Shrewsbury, but um, Cuttingsville. Okay. Um, it's because uh, a guy I work with uh, lived in Shrewsbury, and he said that he would hear. That, that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that they're not here. I'm just saying I think that one in particular was fake. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I mean, it seemed like he was... Because, I mean, shit, look at the look, listen, look at some of the shit my brother hears out there. Yeah. Like, and then he found a... I wish I... see. I want to see if I can get that picture from him again. Of that fucking giant footprint he found in the field with his pistol next to it for scale, and it was twice the size of it. Hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll... So, with that being pretty- said, we're going to... Yeah, we'll wrap this bitch up, and yeah. we'll uh, send it home... Just because, oh, before we get going, one second, forgot. Um, next week's episode will be up earlier on Thursday than normal. Um, that's because next Thursday, my wife is being induced at the hospital. So we'll have a baby the week. Uh, we'll have, well, I'll, be a, I'll be a dad next week, which is fucking weird to think about. Um, You're already a dad. I know, but like I'll have to like physically like be a dad and shit. Oh, so. Oh. Which is weird for me still. Like, I'm super excited. But, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so spastic. I am. It's, it's, it's going to be fucking wild. Um, so, if you're on Patreon, you're still going to get episodes uh, because we're going to pre record them. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Um, anyway, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Bye bye. Later. <laughs> Thank you.